Greetings, I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As Jesus stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? God, I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all of the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. For they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Every time we stand at the edge of a story, we're invited to jump in. We're invited to step into the shoes of other people. I'd like you to think about that today as we explore the characters in this story. Beginning first with that man. His name is Legion. He's called Legion because he's possessed by many demons. His disease had become his name. There's no space anymore between who he is and what he has. This is not hard for us to imagine. 
uh, for us moderns, we know that often our malady takes over. Our malady becomes who we are. Our treatments, our sickness identifies us to the point that we lose who we are. We might remember our name or not. So the debilitating effects of the disease become our whole total reality. My name is Parkinson's. Hi, I'm Lou Gehrig. Hello, I'm prostate cancer. My name is rheumatoid arthritis. I am depression. I am bipolar. I am COVID. Legion is not the name his mother gave to him when he was born. His name was Chuck. Or Marcus Aurelius. Or Fred. Maybe even Jesus. I don't know what his name was, but it was not Legion. When that boy was born, his mother did not say, I will call you Legion. But that's who he became. He became his illness. Who are you? What is your name? Who do you allow and what do you allow to define you? Some of us define ourselves by our jobs. My name is pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Champaign. I like that title. I like that name. I like that calling. I like that vocation. I'm glad to be your pastor. My name is, uh, I'm a doctor, I'm a grocer, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professor, I'm a farmer. But when we retire, or when we're no longer able to do our duties, who are we then? Who are we then? I went to see Frank soon after he was diagnosed with Bell's palsy that they thought would be with him forever and probably was a sign of a greater malady. And it was, and he did die a year later. <clears throat> I was a very young man, though, and Frank was the beloved father of a friend of mine. And when I went to see him, he said, I'm some surgeon now, his hands trembling. And he was broken because he didn't know who he was anymore. And he was so good and respected and beloved for what he had done, the lives he had saved. I am Bell's palsy. We are human beings. We are not human doings. But sometimes we get things mixed up, don't we? I've read accounts of men and women who identify themselves so much as Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so that after the divorce, they don't know who they are anymore. Some scholars say that Jesus is not talking to the man here at all. He's talking to the demon, actually. <clears throat> Those scholars are probably right, but I don't read it this way. I read Jesus walking up to the man and asking the man, what is your name? And Jesus um, is, is, and instead of sharing his name, the man shares his identity. The man, instead of sharing his name, shares the part of him that has taken over, the thing that has, has consumed him. My name is, is Legion. So I ask you again, who are you and what is your name? Part of the message in this passage, I think, is this. It's maybe not the central message, but it's part of the message. Um, 
And the message is we are more than our job. We are more than our disease. We are more than that thing which is going to kill us one day. We're more than, than our, our bank account. We're more than our history. We're more than our family, more than our lineage, more than our people. We're more than our failure. We're more than our worldly success. We are so much more than that. We're more than our resume. We're more and greater than our police record. We're more than our report card. We're more than our sin. We are more than what other people have decided to write about us in our permanent record. We are more than that. Jesus doesn't know the man's name, but Jesus knows full well who the man is. You are a child of God. You are the apple of God's eye. You are beloved. You are my brother. You are my brother, and and you are important. You're the real deal. You matter. You are loved. No matter what, you are loved. Jesus doesn't know his name, but he knows who the man is. And Jesus knows who we are, too. Jesus knows who we are, and he's reminding us that you are beloved by God. And because God loves you, the implication is maybe you should love God back. And the best way to do that is to love your brother and sister. Legion. The demons, imagine the demons, they're terrified of Jesus. They know their place. They know immediately that Jesus has power over them. They know that they have no place in God's kingdom. They do not belong. They know they can't win. They know even though he is one, they are outnumbered. Their days are numbered. Legion knows this. The the demons know this. The swine herds, the pig herders, We might think of them as innocent bystanders. Uh, They haven't done anything wrong, have they? They might even be victims, huh? The, The demon comes out of the man. The demons come out of the man. They go into the pigs, and the pigs jump into the water and drown themselves. So these swine herds apparently have lost their vocation. We might not, we might think of them as victims. I think there's another story there. Um, And I'll get to it in a second. But we know they're not pleased. They're not pleased to see this. So they run into the city and they bring the crowd. So now we have Legion, the demons. We have the swineherds. And we have the swineherds and the crowd. The crowds come in. They arrive on the scene. And they see this man once named Legion. They see that he's in in his right mind. He's, He's no longer shackled. He's no longer clawing at his flesh. He's no longer running in the wilds through the brambles. He's no longer out of his head. He's just as uh, clean and well-dressed as anybody. He's no longer chained. But the pigs, the pigs, the pigs, not the men, the pigs have drowned. They're dead. Jesus, they know, has turned the whole world upside down again. They've been hearing stories for sure. One man is saved, sure, but all these pigs are gone One man is made whole, but the livelihood of others seems to have been lost. I don't know if these swine herds are innocents. I don't think so. They're they're Jews who are raising pigs. That's probably against every dietary law of their tradition. I think Jesus knows this, and he's sort of making fun of them. But whether they're bystanders or not... They certainly have things wrong after this miracle has occurred. They don't say, hey, Chuck, you're looking good. 
hey, why don't you come over to the house? Come over to the house and have dinner. We'll get together with some old friends. No, they don't say that at all. They don't congratulate him. They don't rejoice for him. They don't thank Jesus. They don't ask for Jesus' autograph. They don't say, wow, what did you do? How did you do that? You know, he's been kind of bonkers for a long time, Jesus. They don't say, come on into town and let us give you a cottage and, and maybe you can heal other people. We'd, we'd like to ally ourselves with you somehow. There is no rejoicing. Nobody says, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Nobody's singing that. Nobody comes to the man to thank him. Nobody hugs him. Nobody thanks Jesus. Nobody praises God. That says a lot about these people, doesn't it? They have come face to face with a, a, a miracle of God. And instead of the rejoicing for the one who has been made whole, they are upset about the, the pigs. The crowds and the pig herders are afraid. They were content with Legion's madness. They were content with, with his craziness. But they aren't content with this new change that Jesus has wrought. If justice for one man means that we have to change our age-old patterns in this world, that's not acceptable. One man is not worth it. I'm thinking here of the Jim Crow laws that gripped our country for so many, so many generations. Um, if the laws were going to change, and if all people were able to drink from a water fountain, then the people who made the signs, white only, they were going to lose their job. They were going to lose their job. And I think they are maybe like those swine herds. They've lost their livelihood. So both were mad at the change that God's love requires. Jesus is a theological bull in a china shop. You know, if, if we don't get him out of here, there's no telling what he's going to break. And there's no telling what he's going to change. This man, Jesus, makes us rethink everything. Are we going to have to rethink government are we going to have to rethink family? Are we going to have to rethink church, synagogue, mosque? Heaven forbid. I don't want to change. Do you? No. So these people, these fearful, narrow-minded, I think, narrow-minded citizens, they do the only thing that seems polite and sane. They ask Jesus to leave. They don't run him out of town, but we get every impression, if necessary, they surely will. The pig herders. What about the disciples? The disciples are quiet characters in this story. They're the ones who've seen it. They've, they've traveled with Jesus. They've seen lots of things up through chapter 8 of Luke's gospel. They see Jesus as a lover of the human soul, don't you imagine? They see Jesus certainly as a caring person and a powerful person. And his activity uh, suggests to them that what he says about himself is true. That he really is the Son of God. The disciples hear the witness of, of Legion. They see it with their own eyes. They see this man. I was trapped and chained out of my head, but Jesus set me free to be my old self again. Heck, to be a new self, to, to go out and, and to love the world differently. 
The disciples have seen this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The disciples also see, surely, that the good news for some isn't good news for everybody. The good news for the man once called Legion apparently wasn't good news for those pig herders. Increasingly, the, story, uh, the stories of Luke's gospel, they're heating up the narrative, by the way. We're making our way to Jerusalem. Jesus has set his face there, and we constantly, the tension is building and building and building. These, these disciples know, surely, that if, if Jesus keeps behaving this way, he might get himself arrested or crucified. Legion, demons, the pig herders, the crowds, the disciples. I won't pretend to get into Jesus' head at all. What about us? What does this story mean for us? For me, it means this, and this is just a massive text. There's a lot here, and, and there's another whole layer of meaning, which maybe we'll look at next week. But but for me, it means that the, the good news is that nothing is going to stop Jesus from loving the world clean. He's asked to leave, but he keeps on keeping on. He keeps on reaching for that wholeness and shalom that not only does he preach, but he seems to believe, and he has the power in his hands to bring. Nothing is going to stop Jesus from fulfilling his calling, not even crucifixion. That's something we learn from this text something I certainly affirm, that God's love will abound, God's love will abide, God's will will be done. Nothing's going to stop Jesus. The demons knew that. Sometimes we aren't so sure, but nothing's going to stop Jesus. The man once named Legion and those disciples and all the people Jesus influences are going to claim Jesus' calling. They're going to claim that calling and they're going to live that calling in the world. And guess what? They're going to pass that calling to us, to you, and to me. Does that make you afraid or nervous or excited? Be hopeful, church. Be faithful. Be encouraged. And get busy. <laughs> In the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. May we Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.